Hello and welcome to Leaning In. I'm Tina White here. I'm Beth Jones. And in today's episode, we're going to chat a little bit about foster care and adoption, specifically as it relates to the Native American population. So the foster care and adoption process is already one that brings forth a range of emotions for everyone involved. However, in some situations, it gets a little more complicated than others. And today we're going to delve into a really interesting case that was brought before the Supreme Court called Adoptive Parents versus Baby Girl. As well, we're going to provide you some information and education on the Indian Child Welfare Act and give some background information on that. So, uh, Beth, uh, thank you so much for finding this interesting case, and I can't wait to hear all about it. Yeah, of course. Um, so I found a bunch of information about this case. Um, There's a podcast uh, by Radiolab called Love Supreme that was compiled by uh, Tim Howard, and then two different NPR um, articles, one from Nina Totenberg and one from Hansi Lo Wang. And then the Cornell Law um, Legal Information Institute had just uh, the case file and then oyes.org. Um, so just a little bit of background information. Um, the child in the case is named Veronica. The biological mother is Christy Maldonado. She lives in Oklahoma uh, with two children. Um, the biological father is Dustin Brown. He's a member of the Cherokee Nation. And then the adoptive parents, Matt and Melanie Copa Bianco, mm -hmm. our South Carolina residents um, who got in touch with uh, Christy via an agency. Okay. Um, so Matt is a technician at Boeing and Melanie is a developmental psychologist. They live in Charleston. Um, Christy, like I said, uh, lived in Oklahoma with two children. She was a single mother. And when she was pregnant with Veronica, she, she decided to give up the baby for adoption and chose the Copa Biancos through that agency. Um, when Veronica was two years old, her biological father, Dustin, showed up and asked for custody, and he gets it. So Veronica gets taken away from the only parent she's ever known. Um, since Dustin is a member of the Cherokee Nation, the South Carolina Family Court and the State Supreme Court ruled that the Indian Child Welfare Act applied to his biological daughter and gave him custody of the child. The Capabiancos, Christy, and the Guardian Adelitum appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, who picked it up. Wow. Already a lot is happening. I know. That's a lot of information. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let me give a little bit of background um, okay. here uh, before you go on with the case so that people will know a little bit of the um, law side um, before we continue with the case. So in the 50s and 60s, there were a lot of government policies that were put into place that were basically decimating local tribes. Um, so during this time, research found that 25 to 35 percent of all Native children were being removed um, from their tribe. And of these, 85 were placed outside of their families and communities, even when it was found that uh, there were fit and willing relatives available to take them in. So according to Terry Cross, who is the executive director of the National Indian Child Welfare Association, there were tribes where literally all of the children had been removed and placed in white families. So that was both here and in Alaskan tribes. Um, so 
what the government was trying to do there was uh, integrate those children into white into white society and then basically the they hoped that the Native American um, culture would kind of just die down with, with that. So the traditions and cultural aspects that would normally be passed down through generations were kind of lost in this because they obviously were not being taught any of those customs or traditions or anything that had been longstanding within their tribes. So then enter the Child Welfare Act. So this was a law that was enacted in uh, 1978, and it was a federal law that governed the removal and out-of-home placement of American Indian children. So this law was enacted after recognition by the federal government that American Indian children were being removed at a much higher rate than non-Native children. Um, so ICWA established standards for the placement of Indian children in foster and adoptive homes and enabled tribes and families to actually be involved in the child welfare cases. And the purpose of all this underneath all that uh, technical jargon I just gave was basically to protect the best interest of the Indian children and to promote stability and security of Indian tribes and families by establishing minimum federal standards for the removal of children and placement of such children in homes um, that would reflect the Indian culture. So basically it was trying to protect that aspect um, of these Native American children so that the culture actually did not die out. Okay. Well, that is fantastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, um, so jumping back in. That was, it. that was a lot too. So, <laughs> yeah, just processing. Yeah. Um, so Dusty and Kristen, Christy, the biological parents were engaged to be married when she found out that she was pregnant. Um, Dustin wanted to move up the date of the wedding and refused to provide any financial support until they were married. Um, so after a few months, uh, the relationship fell apart, um, and it's not really clear why, but, um, initially via text, Chrissy asked Dustin if he would rather pay child support or give up his parental rights, and Dustin responded that he would give up his rights. Um, so Chrissy found the Capibiancos, and they agreed to an open adoption. The Cherokee Nation was sent a letter informing them of the adoption, and they responded that they had no record of Dustin as a member, so the adoption continued um, as normal. Um, later, Dustin's lawyers uh, argued that the letter that was initially sent to the Cherokee Nation misspelled Dustin's name, and it had the wrong birth date on it, so that's why they were unable to um, locate him in their records. Oh, wow. Um, so the Cababiancos were in the delivery room for Veronica's birth, and Matt actually cut the umbilical cord, and Christy was in regular contact with the child after the birth, even when she gave gave him gave her up. Oh. Um, as the adoption was about to come final, Dustin was served papers informing him of it, um, and this was only six days prior to his deployment to Iraq, um, and he signed them um, inadvertently, as uh, one article put it, um, and then. 
he later said that um, he realized that it was um, it was not giving up his rights to the birth mother it was giving up rights to an, a completely different family and so um, in a few days he filed a formal objection under ICWA so he fought or he sought full custody of the child um, after he was granted custody of Veronica he cut off all contact to the adoptive parents and the birth mother um, according to him, it was to allow her to become used to her new home, away from the chaos of a bitter legal battle. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, the adoptive parents and the birth mother see that a different way. Um, mm -hmm. But if this were any other case, um, since he did sign that um, notification of adoption, um, it would have been over. He wouldn't have been able to fight back on it. Um, but since he's a member of the Cherokee Nation, um, he was allowed to. Wow. So, isn't that crazy? It is. It's it's a lot of like he said, she said kind of stuff in this, and so it makes there's a lot of like complications, I guess, and um, there's room for interpretation on several different occasions. And the going back and forth of poor Veronica. I know, that poor child. Being and the only this, family she's ever known, bouncing back to her father and trying to, you know, she was only two. Yeah, she was, she was only two. And then um, I think uh, around the time this got to the Supreme Court, it was 16 months later. So at the time she was only like three and a half years old. Wow. Um. So, it's just bananas. Yeah. Um, but so, some some weird things about this case um, that I noticed and that I kind of want to touch on is that um, it's a little weird to me that Dustin refused to financially support Chrissy and the baby before they were officially married. Like, even while they were engaged in a relationship, he, he refused, mm -hmm. apparently. Um, which yeah, used that as kind of leverage too. Like, let's yeah. get married sooner. Yeah, he wanted to push up the date so that I don't know. That's a little fishy to me. Um, do you think that had anything to do with the fact that he was deploying? I mean, the marriage, not the well support. Maybe I hadn't thought about that in all honesty. Hmm. I also think um, just because I know a little bit about the military. It's weird if you're getting ready to be deployed to undertake a custody battle because he was going to Iraq. Yes. So what? So he did file those initial charges or the initial um, objection right before he went to Iraq. Huh? But that granted him a stay of adoption for while he was deployed. Oh. So then they picked it back up after, after he got back. I see. I see. So that's yeah. why it took so long. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, that's one of the reasons, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so the other weird thing is that Dustin says he thought he was giving up his rights to Christy. Um, so he, basically what it sounds like is he's saying, well, I don't want to take care of the child, but I want you to take care of the child. I don't want anyone else to. Mm -hmm. And that's, a, that's also a little fishy thing for me. Yeah. Uh, 
but who knows, you know, who knows what people are thinking when they're doing things. And he obviously didn't read the document that he signed, Mm -hmm. um, that he was served very well. Yeah. Um, read what you're signing people. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Um, so there's a lot of, in a lot of the articles that I'm, that I'm reading, there's a lot of like, I guess, question put to the amount of Cherokee in Destin and the amount, um, like percentage wise in Veronica. So Destin's only 2% Cherokee, which means that Veronica is just over 1%. Um, and that seems to be a, like a, a consideration that a lot of people are basing their judgment of this case on when they're reading about it or hearing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that's important to note is that since uh, tribes are like quasi-sovereign, mm-hmm. um, the amount of Native American in someone's blood is not relevant. Um, the Specifically, the Cherokee Nation, I, I pulled up their website and I was reading through um, some of it. They are... Um, they want you to be able to trace your lineage back to um, a, a member of the Cherokee Nation that's listed on what's called the Dawes Rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of like a... It was the last federal census um, of the Cherokee Nation taken somewhere between 1898 and 1906. Oh, wow. Um, and so they want you to be able to to trace your lineage back to one of these people on the Dawes Roll in order to be able to um, apply to be a member of the Cherokee Nation. So part of doing that is you get um, what's called, uh, um, heck, where is it? CDIB, and that is, um, oh, I forget what it's called, I'm sorry. It's called the Certificate of Degree of Indian Blood. So each person gets a, um, like, the the original people, if they were fully Cherokee, they were four out of four Cherokee. And so each generation, it gets divided in half, and um, so... um, uh, Veronica is three out of 256 Cherokee. Okay. Um, based on her, her parental lineage. And, um, so you are not allowed to be a member unless you have this CDIB. Right. Um, and unless you can trace yourself back to one of these people on the Dawes roll. Okay. Um, so since Dustin is a member and he's already traced his lineage mm-hmm. and he already has his CDIB that means Veronica can automatically apply to be a member she's not automatically a member of the tribe but she can apply to become a member okay and that makes sense yeah so that is a hard line for a lot of um, tribes in my understanding is that it's not it's not based on race it's based on membership like being a part of the the this quasi sovereign nation and being um 
subject to their laws and their governing and their court systems. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah, I found that very fascinating how yeah. they how they're in there. The on the side it says they don't take um, DNA or um, ancestry um, stuff like that. It's just you have to be able to prove um, other ways. Kind of, I guess it would be similar to how Daughters of the Revolution, American Revolution, work, where they don't take um, DNA samples either. It's just you have to be able to prove it okay. yourself. Interesting. Um, so, a lot of questions arise for this case. Yeah. It's as really to, complicated. Yeah. As to, since Dustin never had custody of the child to begin with, and he... Um, refused to support the child financially. Is he, is that still an Indian family? Because ICWA was meant to protect children from being snatched away from their existing Indian families. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Copa Bianca's lawyer um, feels like that, that Dustin and Veronica, since they had never met, since they had never. Um, been what we traditionally call a family, then the court was trying to create a family, create an Indian family, mm-hmm. rather than keeping an existing family together. Um, right. And she is not Native American, correct? To my knowledge, no. Okay. Um, I don't know one way or the other in fully, but I would assume that she's not. Okay. Um, the Another question is um, based on the autonomy of a native or a non-Indian mother. So um, why is it that Dustin can override Christie's decision after seemingly not having any interest in the child, after not contributing, not helping out at all? Why can he just based on his heritage and his membership in the Cherokee nation, why is he allowed to override her decision? Mm -hmm. Especially Uh, if she's not already a member of the tribe. Yeah. She, she is um, mostly Hispanic according to all the information that I've read. Um, So she has nothing to do with the Cherokee tribe at all from my understanding. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, another one is um, state laws um, mostly protect the best interests of the child, um, and that always prevails. But um, if this law only applies to Veronica's Indian heritage, if she is it in is it in her best interest to pull her out of this adoptive family to? Um, to, to go back and live with this father that she's never known and that's never been a part of her life. Yeah. And that's complicated too because that's obviously going to cause trauma for her to be taken yeah. away. Um, and I'm sure there's a part of Dustin that wants his daughter to have 
this knowledge of his lineage and his family and customs. However, Mm -hmm. he's the one who shut everyone out once he had her. And I feel like there could have been an understanding between him and the adoptive family of incorporating some of her heritage in as she grew up. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's all very up in the air. And I'm very glad I was not sitting on the Supreme Court or any of these <laughs> judges who had to decide this. That is a very good point. I agree. Yeah. So with all of this, this also brought up a lot of like um, feelings and emotions about what happens to ICWA if the Supreme Court deci- decides to um, uphold the adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, would they deem ICWA unconstitutional? Would um there be any repercussions um, for the other hundreds of children that are in um, child welfare across the country who are Native American? What about their families? But also all Indian law. Um, Because if they deem that this is based on race, then all Indian law could go out the window because race is a protected um classification of in the the what am i trying to say in federal laws there's federal protections for race and you can't decide things based on race and all this stuff and so there are a lot of people who are really freaking out about this and what happens to all the protections like indians have been wronged for so long for years and years by the american court system like could this all be happening again Oh, no. Yeah. So there, I think there's still a bunch of people who are are reeling from this. It's seven years later. This was decided in the summer of 2013, um, and there's still some repercussions from it. Yeah, I can imagine. But ultimately, the U.S. Supreme Court um, had a very narrow ruling. Um, it was a 5-4 vote. Um and they said that parents who gave up or never had custody are quali- are disqualified from ICWA protections. Okay. So um, I found this quote on Oh Yes, and it just really made it um, kind of clearer for me. Um, they said a non-custodial parent cannot invoke ICWA to block an adoption voluntarily and lawfully initiated by an Indian a non-Indian parent. Oh, so that is pretty clear. Yeah, that made it super clear. I understood. I was reading the whole court document and I was like, I have no idea what this says. <laughs> but then this made it so and I a light bulb came on when I read that. Yeah. Um, but since uh, the Supreme Court ruling was on a federal law, they um, were not having, they didn't do anything with the um, custody battle. They sent that back down to SC state courts to finalize. Mm-hmm. And the lower court granted custody to the Capabiancos. Um, Dustin initially tried to fight it, but eventually he dropped the case. Um, in a press conference, he said, um, "It was the time. It was the love for my daughter to finally um, accept the things that are beyond my control. Um, the time has come for me to let Veronica live a normal childhood that she so desperately needs and deserves." So. I think ultimately he decided that it's not good for her to be in the middle of this, that 
has to be causing her a lot of trauma to be pulled back and forth. Yeah. Um, so many different ways at such a young age. So I think ultimately, like, I think ultimately this a lot is uh, is allowing her to to have some semblance of stability and normality. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's always the option of when she gets older, if she wants to know about her background, her culture, she can delve into that herself. Yeah, and I hope that the Capabiancos are trying to at least educate her and keep her as much as they can involved in that kind of heritage of hers, you know? Yeah, I hope so, too. But who knows? Bless. Bless her little heart. I know. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot for the adults in this situation because you also have to imagine from the adoptive parents' perspective that they had their little family and it was completely blown up and they weren't allowed to see her and the court processes, I'm sure, are crazy. Yeah, there's. I think there's still, like... Um like lawsuits out on either side for like um legal fees and other damages and stuff but yeah i wasn't as interested in that bit yeah 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 (laughs) that's not the fascinating part right exactly wow what an informative day i know i could read about this case another like four hours yeah it's very interesting I would like to see uh, how she's doing today. Yeah, so it's been seven years since that was decided. So she's probably, what, 10 or 11-ish now? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what's going on in her life. Yeah, that would be a fun follow-up. It would, you're right. Yeah. Well, um... Thank you so much for finding this case and for sharing it. It is very fascinating. I yeah, of course. learning about it. I did too. Yeah. It was um, definitely um, gets you thinking not only about the different aspects of adoption but about ICWA and how what their purpose was, how things were before and also um, like you said, how this could have all been turned over and, and what would happen to all those other children. So very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for talking to me about it. Yes. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. And I hope you all have a great day.